0: Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate.
1: People on the outside, their hearts and minds are amazingly open to having their assumptions challenged about who's, who's incarcerated. And I believe, and this is my own experience, When my assumptions are challenged and my mind is open to a new way of thinking, that is so freeing.
0: Among the goals of good journalism is to tell stories that no one's ever heard before and help your audience connect with the common humanity and someone else's struggle. This week, we're talking to somebody who's doing just that. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media, joined in studio today by our co-producer, Nicole Grisco. Hey Nicole. Hey there. So uh, we're talking to somebody that I had the opportunity of interviewing about uh, I guess it was in 2016, Nigel Poor. Nigel, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, we we actually met, had a had a brief interview at Podcast Movement when you were part of the Radiotopia contest to get a podcast. And I said, sat in on the p- presentation about your podcast, Ear Hustle. Now you are a co-creator, co-host and co-producer of Ear Hustle with Erlon uh, Woods and yes. Antoine yes. Williams. Now, could you just, anybody who's listening this probably knows, has heard about Ear Hustle, but could you in a, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, tell us what Ear Hustle is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Ear Hustle is, to my understanding, the first podcast to ever be completely produced inside of a prison. So we do all the editing, all the recording, all the sound design, obviously all the interviews. And I always want to make clear that we are not a crime podcast. We concentrate on the everyday stories of life inside prison told from the perspective of those who live it. And we really concentrate on like the small details that give life meaning and help really explore how do you make a life once you've become incarcerated.
0: Yeah. When we, when we spoke in, in 2016 and, and this was all kind of a, a concept and you had, uh, you know, created some audio to, to sort of pitch it. Do you think at that time it was going to become what it has become since?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, we, I remember when I spoke to you, it was in, it was in like a very noisy hallway Yes, at the hotel. And I mean, I was, I'm still very naive about podcasting, but I was very naive at that time, and we didn't have much experience. We had no experience of doing podcasting, really. We had done some storytelling, and we had absolutely no idea how it'd be received. If anything, I mean, we had we had some fears that maybe it wouldn't be received well. That people would wonder why should these guys have a voice? What are we doing? And I have to be honest, there was a there was a part of me that thought people would enjoy it because I enjoy the story so much, but I didn't know how broad that would be. I mean, we really didn't. And so as time went on and the podcast launched and it became, I'm going to say humbly, I'm going to say, you know, it became successful. It was a shock for everybody. I think.
0: Yeah. The, the it's been really pretty huge. Get. The press has covered, covered you, you were in New Yorker, you were in the mm-hmm. Rolling Stone. The Today
1: Show? Crazy. show. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, it is. It is kind of crazy, but you know, it speaks a lot to this unique story that you're you're telling on your podcast. And you're telling it well. The fact that you've identified an audience or an audience, a, a subject matter that just people have no real access to outside of a, kind of what Hollywood presents of, of what a prison is. Here you are documenting human beings and their experience in a very, in a situation that most people have no concept of and humanizing. It. I think that's what's, you know, touching people. So you're recording in a prison what what type of you know barriers besides the fact that you have to go into a prison and deal with all of that aspect of it just to record an episode
1: yes There's so many barriers. I mean, there's obviously, as you mentioned, getting into the physically getting into the prison and spending time in the prison, um, negotiating the bureaucracy, although I will say San Quentin is incredibly supportive of the project. So that's made it a lot easier. But, you know, prisons are loud and chaotic. And we work in a media, I say media lab, but it's basically a big cement room with a corrugated metal ceiling that has a you know drop down cover over it so it's not it's not an ideal space for recording there's people constantly coming in and out we get interruptions all the time so just getting to the to the recording part is difficult but one of the things that makes me really happy about that is it says to me that people are really over obsessed with equipment and you know spending money on having soundproofing and getting the best equipment and we've been able to, i think to make compelling shows in not ideal conditions. And so I hope that other people can take actually inspiration from that, that it's really the idea and it's the storytelling. Obviously it's trying to make it to record as best you can, but you can do a lot on the fly if you have determination and some grit.
0: (laughs) Amen to that. And that's, you know, my own experience in going out and talking about podcasting and training people. I mean, there's so much concern about, about the technology. That they think that there has to be some sort of magical formula and setup, but everybody I've ever talked to who who does a podcast does it completely differently. Different types of equipment and their studios are all, all set up. So, but it, you know, I remember when I interviewed you, you said that, that San Quentin had a, a sort of a media lab that you would be doing uh, videos at. So, you know, describe to me, tell me what your your setup is, your studio setup is like. Now that I'm going, now that now that you told me that <laughs> it didn't really matter, I'm really curious as to how you know how this works.
1: Yeah. So as I said, we're in this pretty large cement room, and we have one wall in there where we have some tables set up, and we have two Mac computers. We have we use Pro Tools. We have microphones. I think they're Shure microphones. We have a Tascam portable recorder, and. With the money we got from Radiotopia when we won, I was able to buy that new equipment. So we, you know, we do have new computers and we have nice microphones. But right across, you know, the way from us, two feet away or three, maybe three or four feet away, are other desks where people are working. And then a little bit further down, there's other guys working on video stuff. So you know, we have to negotiate with everybody when we meet, when we're interviewing people, and that we bring guys down to the to that media area to interview them and you know we've just got t- three chairs we sit the guy down across from us and then Erlan and I kind of dive in with our questions and then sometimes we get to do what's called yard talk, which is when we take our portable task scan recorder and we actually go out to the yard with a microphone and interview people out there. And I really like that because that's when you get all the ambi sounds of the prison. I think it's got nice texture.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. I remember the one episode that you had about the guy who had all of the animals.
1: Yes, Roach.
0: <laughs> and when I say animals, I mean they're like, you know, like insects and worms and, and caterpillars and all types of yeah. birds and things that he's able to acquire for a period of time. You mentioned bureaucracy. What, what actually is a bureaucracy that you have to kind of deal with?
1: Yeah, so once we get a story done, we work very closely with Lieutenant Sam Robinson, who's the public information officer. He has to listen to all of our work and okay it before it goes out. And what he's looking for are, you know, are factual errors that we're using you know, the right language to describe things and that we're not, and by that, I, I'll give you an example. We talked about the hospital on site but it's actually called a medical facility. So I mean that's what I mean by factual language and he's looking for that type of thing. And then anything that would cause I guess danger for people inside prison. So I'm trying to think of an example. There's we have not been told that there's a story we cannot do yet. And we've done some difficult stories. But yeah, they really are concerned with safety. For example, the example I always give is gang activity. There are, you know, unfortunately gangs in prison and we have to be careful about stuff like that to not get anybody put in a difficult spot. But as I said, we've done really difficult stories without a problem. We did one about solitary confinement. We did one called the Boom Boom Room, which was about how people are legally and illegally finding ways to be intimate with their partners. And so I, that, Sam, Lieutenant Robinson said that was the hardest story for him to deal with. He, he was like, if I lose my job, it's going to be over this story. So he's really gone to bat for us to allow us to tell the, the stories we want to tell.
0: Now, he's like the communications officer there. So he-
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's called public information officer. And he deals with all of the press that comes into the prison. And there is a lot of press that comes in there tell us a little bit about the sound design aspect, because I think that might be my favorite part of the podcast. And I mean, you bring the guys in and it it seems as if they're producing some of the music that we hear in the episodes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So all of the music is produced inside the prison. We can't use any copywritten music. And so we do it in two ways. One is that You know, Antoine creates some of the music on the computer, but we also bring in a lot of guys who then we record. So there's a lot of great musicians in there. So we bring them down to the studio or we record them out in the yard. And we're working now with Pat Masidi Miller, who is a sound designer for the podcast Snap Judgment. So he's been coming in and tutoring us and helping us. And we're starting in season two to find ways to incorporate a lot more of the actual sounds of San Quentin, not so much the music, but just the ambient sounds in there, and then actually turn that into music. So that's going to be our challenge for season two. So you'll hear, you'll still hear a lot of the great music, but you'll also hear a lot more of the sounds of the prison. The guys that are sitting down and producing the music on the computer, are those skills that they had before? Or is that something that you're teaching them, or how does that work? That's something that they're learning. I mean, you know, the guys... Op- a lot of the guys were obviously good musicians, so we're not teaching them that. But learning for Antoine, learning stuff on the computers, he's been working with Pat and Miller on that, you know, on his own and then also getting tutoring from Pat. And that's made a huge difference.
0: But, you know, he had
1: an innate talent coming into it for yeah. sure. Yeah,
0: I think I remember when I was talking to you in Chicago, one of the things that like immediately leaped to my mind as a podcaster was because for us, one of the hardest things to do is actually find people to come on the podcast. So I'm like, well, you're you're in a place where those people are there. But then I realized, you know, you just said something here that, you know, we've got to negotiate with everybody who's coming on. And, you know, the one I was just listening to the final episode of the season where, you know, getting a date, meaning, you know, getting your date for your parole he- hearing, you had to negotiate with somebody, talk to them, explain who you were to get them to trust you. Is that a sort of an ongoing issue with you trying to find people in prison who are going to willing to talk, they may have a story to tell, but for various reasons, uh, may not want to share it.
1: Right, right. So at first, I wouldn't say it was difficult. At first, it was a little bit more challenging. But now the, the podcast has also become so popular inside of the prison. So it's played on the closed circuit station. So everyone in San Quentin can hear it. And now we have, we're almost overwhelmed by the amount of people that want to be in the podcast. When I walk through the yard... I, you know, guys constantly come up to me and say that they've heard the podcast or their kids have heard the podcast and they've got a great story to tell. Can I be on it? Here's an idea. So it's become really easy to get men to be on it. Now, of course, there's sometimes situations where guys want to talk, but they, you know, they've got other concerns like they're either going to the parole board or, you know, something else is going on. And so they might, you know, that, that sometimes can cause second, maybe some second guessing for them, but We, you know, we try to work with with guys where they are and encourage them to come down and that after we finish taping, you know, we always have a conversation with them. Like, you know, are you okay with what what went down here? And, you know, and and once they say, okay, then we move ahead with the story. These are
0: really, you know, kind of powerful, meaningful stories. What I like about it, what I like about the the idea and and the execution, I mean, the execution is flawless. The episodes are wonderful to listen to. They're great well-produced podcast, audio podcast, but his stories, they, they shine light on, on something that we, we don't think about in a world we really don't think about that with the criminal justice system, you know, we, we think about, you had sort of at the very beginning talked about that this isn't a crime podcast. And, and a lot of people, you know, once somebody is arrested, you know, they go to jail and that's pretty much it. You don't think about them. They're kind of put on a shelf, but for them, that's really where the journey begins. That they, They're going to have to, you know, live, you know, day and day for years and years um, and, and how they can cope with it. And so having this sort of window into that experience is incredibly fascinating. Is that, is that what, what people are responding to, you think? I think
1: so. I, I really think so. I think both the people inside and the people outside are, well, the guys inside, I think, are responding to, you know, one being heard, but being heard as individuals and talking about their individual struggle and what gives their life meaning and how do they try to, you know contribute. And not lay fallow. And I think people on the outside are their hearts and minds are amazingly open to having their assumptions challenged about who's who's incarcerated. And I believe, and this is my own experience, when my assumptions are challenged and my mind is open to a new way of thinking, that is so freeing. It's almost like being reborn. You know, it just gives you a new grasp on life. And I I have to believe that that's what a lot of people crave. And you know, as you said, there's so much mystery and there's so much bad press and media about what happens in prison. And there's a lot of horrible stuff that happens in there. And that needs to be talked about more. And I hope our podcast does that too. It shows people in a more human light, but it also brings up questions about what are we doing with prisons in the United States? What do we really want to have happen? How do we think about prison reform. I mean, that's a huge issue, and I can't solve that problem, but I hope that your hustle helps people think about it more.
0: It contributes in some way. What is it that uh, your audience is telling you about the podcast?
1: Oh, my God. It's just been yeah incredible. I mean, the amount of emails, the amount of letters and postcards that we get, and we get responses from all types of people. I mean, we've gotten letters from federal judges and district attorneys and lawyers and formerly incarcerated people who have family members in prison, other correctional officers, sheriffs, entire classrooms have sent us responses, you know, artists. It it just goes on and on and on. People who have been victims of horrible crime. um, And we've gotten responses from all across the United States. And you know, as far away as Kuwait and Australia and Japan and Germany. I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and the majority, you know, a lot of them have questions, but a lot of them are just like, I love the podcast. I, I, it's just changed the way I think about this invisible population. What can I do to help? Or, you know, just stuff like that. I mean, it's, I would say out of all the mail and of all the thousands of emails we've gotten, we've probably received four negative comments, which is just the percentage is tiny. It's, you know, I, I get so teary these days because of the responses that we hear, like the, the outpour of love and compassion in a time when I think politically there's so much to be depressed about. Um, it just gives me real hope.
0: The the episode that I was listening to, you were talking uh, talking at the end about kites, how, how people are involved in that.
1: Yeah, so we try to use a lot of prison or some prison slang. You know, it's often kind of changed its meaning. So in prison, a kite is... I wish Erlon were here to explain it because I'm sure he would correct me. But a kite is this way people send kind of information to each other, like a little piece of paper they tie in a string and they shoot it down the, the cell line and they pass it down to whoever the intended recipient is. So I like that idea of asking people to send us kites, which is just send us your questions, send us your messages on postcards. And I have a P.O. box set up that people can send their, their kites to. And then we try to, I mean, we obviously can't answer all of them on air, but we try to answer some of the questions. Uh, last season we had a and a episode and we'll do that again this season where we, we get to some of those questions that people have.
0: Are there, are, are there any of the episodes that, that you had this year that you're particularly proud of, or that, that came out in a way that was different than you did?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the one that you brought up called looking out about Roach, the guy who takes care of the critters as he calls them, because one, I think that was really surprising and Two, for me, that's a story about love and how you try to give love and find love and connect with people in an environment that can be pretty hard. So I just, I cherish that. And I and again, I think it really surprised people. And there's a sequence in there where we ask a bunch of different guys what kind of, if they could be an animal, what kind of animal they would be. And it's about 15 guys who answer the question. And all of their answers are so like, kind of um, beautiful little peeks into, you know, how they see the world and how they see themselves, because, you know, they're not just like, Oh, I'd be a cat or a dog. They all have great reasons. Um, and so again, that's another really delightful surprise.
0: Yeah. And that's a great episode from an audio storytelling standpoint, because, you know, I actually used it in the, in the class I taught about (laughs) podcasting that, you know, without visuals, you have to sort of, you know, paint that picture in people's mind. And that one in particular where he's like sitting in the dirt, you know, smelling his, his dreadlocks. I mean, it's like you've you got a sense. Of, and once he began speaking, you could immediately picture him. That's the, the strength of that type of uh, of storytelling. In the wrap up to your, your season finale, you were talking about, I understand you may not want to tell everything that you're working on or what, what you're looking forward to doing. But you, you mentioned uh, doing a story about um, death row, about spiritual counseling, I guess. Yes. Are stories like that you said you haven't run against run up against any problems at this point as far as the, the topics you're tackling is that one one that you think is going to be difficult to do?
1: I'm glad you brought that one up. That's one we're heavy into right now and it's been fascinating working on that. So there's two components to it. One as you said talking to the people who provide spiritual counseling on death row. So we've talked to the rabbi and one of the ministers that goes up there and the Catholic priest. And so we were trying to figure out one of the things I love about working on this podcast is that we are always problem solving, always looking for a workaround. And so it's hard for journalists to get or you know, anyone with recorded equipment to get up on death row. Although Lieutenant Robinson is very supportive of it, that that is still an issue. So we decided we would write to guys on death row. So San Quentin has a newspaper, the San Quentin News that they publish, and it goes up to death row. There's 700 guys on death row. So Lieutenant Robinson said it was okay for us to write a form letter, which we put into the newspaper, telling guys that we're working on this story about, you know, life on death row. It's about spiritual counseling, but it's also just about everyday life there. It's not about crimes. It's not about airing your grievances. It's about how do you make a life up there. So it got put out in the newspaper about three weeks ago, and we started receiving back letters through... There's an internal mail service inside the prison. So we've started to get letters from guys on death row answering our questions that we will then make into the episode. And there is a chance we'll be able to interview guys. We're still working on that. But if we can't, we'll have the letters, and we'll figure out how to use their, their responses. So I'm really have a lot of emotions. i want to say I'm excited about that episode, but I'm also, you know, it's going to be a really heavy, heavy subject, but that's a great example of how we found a workaround for, you know, to do something that would be pretty difficult for most people to do.
0: And speaking of, of barriers, I think there was an episode that you start out saying, sorry for the delay, but the prison was on lockdown.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. For three weeks.
0: <laughs> Not a lot of podcasts have to deal with with. Uh, oh yeah, you can't talk to anybody.
1: No, I I couldn't go in for three weeks. It was terrible.
0: So, when a situation like that, I mean, did you end up missing deadlines for for podcasts? Yep.
1: Yep. We missed. We only missed one deadline, which was amazing. We try to work as far into the future as possible because we know th- there's always going to be a problem. Something is always going to happen, and we do our best to be ahead of the game. That was the only time where I think we missed, we were off one week and, you know, there was nothing. I mean, I could not go in there and I can't take audio out, you know, until it's been cleared. So it's not like I have all this audio at home. Everything gets done inside the prison. So when that wall goes up, there's truly nothing we can do about it. And, you know, I mean, as, as supportive as the, as the administration is, and again, I want to say they are super supportive, we are not a priority, you know what I mean? So like when a lockdown happens, they're not gonna lose sleep over the fact that we're gonna fall off schedule. That's just not the prison's priority. So we have to wait like everybody else has to wait.
0: But the um, but they feel good about the podcast.
1: Oh, yes, they love the podcast. And and funny, actually yesterday was the San Quentin, I mentioned the San Quentin newspaper, it was their 100th their paper came out. They actually did a Facebook Live Inside the prison, the head of, yeah, the, yeah, it was amazing. So the head of the um, California Department of Corrections came in, the head public information officer, and they filmed it and they came over and interviewed us. So if people go to the California Department of Corrections Facebook page, you can actually see us working in the media lab and there's a short interview with us. But I believe when, I believe this is going to happen, when we launch back in March, they're going to do a Facebook Live of Ear Hustle. So I think that tells you how supportive They are of the project.
0: So so you're back on back publishing again and or
1: March (laughs) fourteenth. Hard at work. <laughs> yes.
0: How many episodes in the can do you think you'll have when you get get to that point? We
1: want, We hope to have four. So this season we're only going to we're going to do eight episodes instead of ten, and our goal is to do two eight episode seasons a year. And I really am praying that we will have half of them done before we launch in March. You know, or close to being done. We're wrapping up ours. Hopefully on Monday we will, or next week we'll be done with two episodes.
0: So is. I hope this isn't an, an, an indelicate question, but as a podcaster, I'm I'm always you know curious as to how the production and the marketing and the money making and has that sort of progressed as the your audience has grown and grown.
1: Well. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about how much money people make off of podcasting. Not, not in this <laughs> you know, we, room. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, because people assume that because we've had so many downloads and there's, there's sponsorship that we're raking in the money. We are still, you know, all the money that's made goes back into the podcast. So it's almost self-sustaining, but... Not quite. So you don't have
0: a free mattress yeah. and you're not getting any blue apron.
1: No. Yeah. See, we can't get any of those lovely things. No, no, no pass for your mattress. No Bomba socks. Yeah, so we don't get any of that nice, that part that I think other podcasters I've heard actually get nice things like
0: that. Yeah, no, uh, none, <laughs> none that I've ever met. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a good thing to get out here. I mean, the, the fact is, you, you know, five million downloads is pretty damn impressive for a podcast. But I think it, it also sort of, puts what you're doing sort of in a different type of context, because you're there to tell a story. And, you know, there's a lot of value in what you're doing. It's not monetary, that sort of message out there about these people's lives about, you know, even just from a, you know, how to do it yourself type podcast things. I mean, that's just getting those messages out there have value. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I, mean, I love the idea that do it yourself. We do, um, you know, I don't want to minimize the support that we get from Radiotopia in terms of, of making this work. but it really did come from a, just a desire to do it and to not be overly concerned with the outcome. I mean, again, we had no idea. When we started the podcast, we didn't even know about you know, radiotopia. We just started it because we really believed in it and that fuels that kind of desire just pushes you through the hard times. And you know, Earlonne and I always say this, we work so hard on this. I mean, both of us work way more than 50 hours a week on this every week. I think sometimes it's more like 60 or 70 hours. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So it's not easy, but it's super rewarding. And that's what keeps us going.
0: Are you doing any other work? Um, because I know that you were, you were doing some art, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a professor of photography at California State University, Sacramento, and I'm on sabbatical for a year. So to work on this project so that's why I'm uh, right now for the for 2017 and and what is it, 2018 now yeah I'm off for a full academic year I'll go back to teaching in September and then I don't know how this is going to work because there, it's very difficult to do both when we were when we were ramping up to this I was still teaching so I taught you know I got my schedule down to two days a week and then literally every other day I was at San Quentin and right now I'm at San Quentin for five days a week, sometimes six. And you know, then when I get home, I have to deal with all the emailing. So I always say, you know, it's the first thing I do when I get up and it's the last thing I do when I go to bed. And luckily, my husband is super supportive because he hardly sees me anymore. You were at San Quentin before the podcast launched, right? Absolutely. Yes. So I started volunteering there in 2011, teaching a history of photography class through a, a fantastic organization called the Prison University Project which is run by volunteer professors and it allows guys to earn an AA degree while they're inside San Quentin. And I did that for three semesters and that's how I, you know, I got more interested in storytelling and that's how I met a bunch of the men that I work you know, that I eventually ended up working with on audio projects.
0: This has been great. The, the new season is coming out on March 14th. Is there anything, any piece you want to give before uh, we wrap up here? <laughs>
1: So I just would say that our first episode is about firsts in prison, first experiences in prison, and I think it will give you know, yet another kind of pulling back of the veil of what guys deal with when they're inside. And the, one of the main storylines is about a guy getting ready for his first visit with his mom in 13 years and you know how he struggles with that and how he prepares to do something that most of us would just think is an everyday experience.
0: Nigel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really, it's inspiring the stuff that you're doing, and we just love the, the podcast. It's And if people, you know, haven't listened to it, they, they really should. It's, it's really powerful, great audio storytelling. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode if it's all journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. We've got lots of things in the works coming up in 2018, including more live appearances and, of course, weekly podcasts. To find out the latest news about our podcast and the things we've got going on, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to subscribe. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. The Capital Culture
1: Podcast with your hosts, Rachel Nania and Jason Fraley. We have a new podcast called Capital Culture. Each week we go in-depth with chefs like Marcus Samuelson and writers like Bon Appetit's Adam Rappaport. We'll also talk plays with Kathleen Turner, movies with Emma Stone, and music with Smokey Robinson. Not to mention some of your favorite WTOP voices. The Capital Culture Podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcast1.com, or at wtop.com. Search Podcast DC. The Target USA podcast with your host, JJ Green. Russia could render a huge harm to this country.
0: North Korea's secret missile that could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. DC is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA.
1: The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, onecom or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast
0: DC. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.